Welcome to Witness, a ministry of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Mississippi. Join us in person for worship each Sunday at 9.30 a.m. For more information about Covenant, including discipleship and mission opportunities, visit us at www.covenantpresjackson.org. So here we are. Almost four months, and we're finally at the end. Today, we wrap up our study of this 2,000-year-old letter from the Apostle Paul, a letter that he wrote to a community of faith, a letter that he wrote to followers of Jesus in the city of Colossae. Now, if that city were around today, and it is not, it would be in Western Turkey. Now, let's be honest, after all, this is a good time and a good place for us to be honest. This is one of those sections of the Bible that if we were just reading it on our own, if it was part of our devotional reading, we might be tempted to skim through it, scan, and move on. And it's full of names. It's full of hard-to-pronounce names, most of which you may never heard of. There's no narrative. There's no focus on doctrine. There's no calling out of false teaching. There's no ethical exhortation. There's no call to live new life in Christ. In these 11 verses, Paul is making introductions. He's passing along greetings. And he's making a couple of requests. And that's it. Well, what are we to make of it? How can it be more to us than simply a scan, a skim, a quick read? Well, first of all, a passage like this shows us that Christianity following Jesus is lived out in community with others. Day in and day out. It's it's lived in the world. It's lived in real places like Rome and Colossae, Kiev and Warsaw, Jackson and Ridgeland. It's, it's lived out with real people, people with different backgrounds, different gifts, different personalities who come to faith in different places, all under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul was a man. He was a man who was mightily used by God, a man who preached the gospel as no other, a man who struggled for Jesus Christ as no other, a man who authored 13 books in the New Testament. But he was a man. He was a living, breathing human created in the image of God, just like you, just like me. One who was saved by the grace of God in Jesus Christ, just like you, just like me. A man who wrote to real people in real churches, who lived in real towns and cities, who talked about the weather and politics, who worried over the future, who struggled with their health, who got into arguments with their friends, who wanted the best for their children, who simply struggled some days. Real people upon whom God poured out his grace. Real people who desired to live their lives following Jesus. Just like you, just like me. Now, sometimes when we read the Bible, we forget this. 
But a passage like this, full of names and personal notes, a passage that dates the letter to a particular time and in a particular place, reminds us. Called by Jesus, saved by Jesus, we live out the faith in community with people that you are sitting around right now, with friends that you have in other churches, here in Jackson and and scattered all over, family that you have in other churches, missionaries that you support and pray for around the world, names and faces that are dear to you, even names and faces from your past, people who introduced you to the faith, people who were influential in your growth of faith, people whom you ministered with and alongside of, even people who let you down. Some who have already gone on to be with the Lord. Real people that you had relationships with as you lived out your faith. People just like Paul mentions in our passage. Now let's look at some of the names that Paul mentions in our passage. First of all, there's Tychicus. Listen to verse 7 of our reading again. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant of the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Tychicus was from Greece. He was from the city of Thessalonica. The book of Acts tells us that he accompanied Paul on some of his missionary journeys. He's also mentioned in Ephesians and Titus and 2 Timothy. Well, Tychicus was delivering this message for Paul. He was a courier. He was a postman. Remember, Paul was writing this letter in prison. He was in chains, probably in Rome. He could not deliver the letter himself, so Tychicus did. But he was not only a trusted courier, Paul refers to him as a beloved brother, a faithful minister, a fellow servant of the Lord. So besides delivering this letter, Tychicus would also encourage them, pray for them, preach to them, and update them on Paul. Well, Paul's description of him shows that he wants the church in Colossae to receive him well, to receive him as they would Paul. Paul relied on teamwork. Paul worked side by side with other ministers like Tychicus. He he couldn't do everything that he was called to do alone. He needed help. Just like David needed help. King David, that is. Our Old Testament reading is another passage with lots of hard-to-pronounce names, another passage we might be tempted to skim over. These hard-to-pronounce names were David's mighty men, David's men of war, his men of valor, his sergeant-at-arms, his Navy SEALs. The Lord gave King David victory in many battles. The Lord enabled King David to conquer his enemies, but David didn't do it alone. David didn't ride out to battle by himself solo. David had his mighty men. Well, Paul spread the gospel and planted many churches. Paul encouraged these churches, prayed for these churches, corrected these churches when they strayed. But Paul didn't do it alone. He had help. Fellow ministers 
like Tychicus. Paul also mentions Onesimus. Onesimus was traveling with Tychicus. Onesimus was a slave from Colossae. Paul says he's one of you. Now we'll be talking more about him when we spend the next two weeks after this Sunday, the next two Sundays, looking at Philemon, a letter addressed to the owner of Onesimus. Well, in verses 10 through 14 of our passage, Paul is simply passing on greetings. There are six people, six co-workers, six fellow ministers who wish to say hello to the church in Colossae. Now, Paul mentions that three of them are Jews of the circumcision and three of them are Gentiles, all followers of Jesus, all working for the kingdom alongside Paul, all being used by the Father. Now, the first greeting is from Aristarchus. He was from Thessalonica and may have gone to Rome with Paul. Paul calls him a fellow prisoner. And the second greeting is from Mark. We know more about Mark than we do Aristarchus. Mark was the cousin of Barnabas. Barnabas, if you remember, brought Paul to the apostles in Jerusalem. Barnabas vouched for him. Barnabas ministered alongside Paul in Antioch. Barnabas traveled with him on his first missionary journey. Mark was the cousin of Barnabas. Mark accompanied Paul and Barnabas on the first missionary journey, but early on, Mark abandoned them. He left them. We're, we're, we're not told why Mark left, but Paul was not pleased with Mark. Now, sometime later, Paul and Barnabas sought to go on a second missionary journey to visit and to encourage the churches that they had planted to see those followers of Jesus Mark wanted to go. Barnabas wanted to take him, but Paul refused. After what happened the first time, Paul refused. And this caused Paul and Barnabas to go their separate ways, to part ways. Well, the mention of Mark here in this letter, greetings from Mark here in this letter, tells us that at some point, Paul and Mark had reconciled, forgiven one another, so here in the, in, the, in the final greetings of this letter, in the midst of all this list of names, is Christianity lived out. Forgiveness given in the midst of hurt and disappointment, in the midst of frustration and anger by brothers in Christ, by those who wrote parts of the New Testament, because this is the same Mark who penned the Gospel of Mark. Paul also sends greetings from Jesus called Justice and Epaphras. Epaphras was mentioned by Paul in chapter one. He was from Colossae. He was the first to bring the gospel to that city. God used him to start the church there. And it was because of Epaphras' report about the church that Paul wrote this letter. But Paul also mentions how Epaphras continued to pray for the church. Even though he wasn't there, he still prayed for them, struggled in prayer for them. This serves as a reminder. Don't forget where you're from. Don't forget where you've been. Don't forget where you have served. Don't forget where you've been nurtured. In other words, don't forget the churches, the communities of faith that you have been a part of in your life and pray for them. Even though you're no longer with them, pray for them. Even, even though there might be pain when you remember them, pray for them. Pray God's blessing on them. Pray for their faithfulness. Pray for their health and witness. Pray that they glorify Jesus Christ. And finally, Paul extends greetings from Luke and Damas. 
Luke was a companion of Paul and wrote the gospel of Luke as well as the book of Acts. Here, Paul refers to him as the beloved physician. And all we know about Damas is that he later deserted Paul. Again, real people living out the faith in community with all the ups and downs, with all the joys and sorrows that go with it. And the community, here's another thing that this this shows here. The community is greater than just the community that is the congregation. It's greater than the community of followers of Jesus in Colossae. It's greater than the community of followers of Jesus here in Jackson. It extends to wherever there are faithful followers of Jesus, whether that's Flowood or Pearl or Hattiesburg or Houston or Nairobi or Seoul or Beijing or Kiev. We're not alone. We're one body, bound by faith, bound by the Spirit of God, and we need each other. Well, the last three verses of this letter contain a couple of requests and a final prayer. We're, we're going to look at just one of the requests. Listen, listen to verse 16 again. Paul writes, And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. Well, what Paul's doing is asking the church to exchange his letters, to to have this letter read in another church. This letter was for the church in Colossae. It addressed their particular issues, but it also went beyond that, and Paul knew it. He knew it through the Spirit. He knew his letters were of more significance than only that of the church he addressed. His letters were relevant beyond the one community of faith that was addressed. Yes, they included local concerns. Yes, they mentioned specific individuals, but the gospel was present. The gospel is present in these letters, these inspired by God letters, letters that have informed and encouraged and exhorted and challenged and blessed communities of faith for thousands of years, including ours. Now, some of y'all might be wondering, what happened to that letter? What happened to the letter to Laodicea? I mean, the churches were to exchange letters, and we have this one. You can open up your Bible to Colossians. Well, what happened to the other? Why why can't we open up our Bible to a, a Laodiceans in the New Testament? Well, no one is sure, but along the way, it was lost. And Paul concludes with these words, Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Remember my chains. This is a a reminder, a reminder that Paul was in prison, a reminder that Paul was in chains for the gospel, a reminder of what could happen to any Christian and did indeed happen to many Christians in the Roman Empire. It's a reminder of what can happen today and does happen today in places around the world. Not only is it a reminder from Paul, it's a prayer request. Paul is asking the church to pray for him in prison. And we should pray for those who are in chains because of the gospel, for those who are imprisoned for claiming Jesus as Lord and Savior, for those who are imprisoned for proclaiming the gospel, for people in places like Indonesia, China, India, remember their chains. Even if you don't know names, even if you don't know faces, remember the chains 
of your brothers and sisters in Christ who are arrested in lands who aren't as free as we are. Well, the last words of this letter are grace be with you. Paul begins this letter with grace, opening with the words grace to you, and he ends this letter with grace. It's appropriate because that's the Christian faith. Beginning with grace and ending with grace. True faith begins and ends with the grace of God in Jesus Christ. And it's an amazing truth that that sinner that you are, broken as you are, fallen as you are, God himself has come to you, sought you out, taken on flesh for you, entered space and time and history for you, become a man for you in Jesus. Jesus died. He was crucified for you to set you free, to free you from your chains, to free you from your sin, to forgive you, to reconcile you to himself. And not only did he die, he rose again. He was resurrected. He is alive. Jesus conquered death and he gives you life through him. Forgiveness and life. The promise of eternal life. These are given to you through Jesus, through faith in Jesus and their gifts. Their gifts. Their gifts of love from the Father. And they're gifts that you don't deserve. Gifts that you can't do anything to deserve. But that's grace. That is grace. That is Christianity. That is life in Jesus. Grace from beginning to end. And it's life lived out in community. Lived out in community in the real real world with real people in real places like Colossae 2,000 years ago in Jackson, Mississippi, today. Thank you for tuning in to Witness, a ministry of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Mississippi. 